I want you to remember just a little phrase today. It's not over. Could you say that with me? It's not over. Now, we're going to have to define what the it is, but the not over is a done deal. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 16 today, knowing that all four of the Gospels tell the story of the resurrection. I chose the one that's the least looked at, just so it would be fresh for us. So we're going to look at that today. But first, I want to tell you about Chippy the parakeet. You heard of Chippy the parakeet? Chippy never saw it coming. One minute he was peacefully perched inside his birdcage, and the next he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. You see, Chippy's problem began when his owner decided to vacuum out his birdcage with him in the birdcage. So she stuck the attachment on the vacuum and stuck it inside the cage, and everything was going well until her telephone began to ring. So she was distracted, and when she turned, she discovered that Chippy was gone. She immediately hung up the phone and looked inside the vacuum cleaner bag, and sure enough, guess who was there? Chippy. Chippy was stunned, but alive. Well, since Chippy was covered with dirt and debris, you know, she did what any good owner would do. She took Chippy and raced down the hallway to the bathroom and turned on the water and began to clean all the debris off of Chippy with cold water. Then she noticed something. Chippy was now shivering and looking at her like, what have you done to me? Wow, two minutes of cold water. And then she decided to do what any good owner would do. I've got to fix this problem. So there in the bathroom was the blow dryer. And she pulled it out and started working on Chippy with that hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. Several days later, the reporter who came out and covered the story called to see how Chippy's recovery was coming along. And this is what the owner said. The owner said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares at me. Well, I guess so. After being sucked in, uh, washed up, and blown over, Chippy must have thought that it was over. But it wasn't. He survived. Can any of you here today relate to Chippy? You had a time in your life where you felt like, man, you were sucked up. And you were washed over and out, and then you were just blown over, and you're like, what is going on? Maybe you can relate, Chippy, I could. Perhaps you've gone through times in your life when you thought it was over. Maybe a pink slip was handed to you. Maybe divorce papers were served. How about a policeman on your doorstep? I'll never forget the night of my senior year in high school when the police officer followed me home at about midnight, and uh, wanted me to go wake up mom and dad. I, I thought it was over. It was almost over, but not quite. <laughs> but maybe that's happened to you. Maybe there's a girlfriend or a boyfriend who broke up with you unexpectedly. Perhaps it was a cancer diagnosis. Maybe someone close to you passed away. Maybe you thought it was over. If so, you're not much different than the disciples of Jesus Christ. 
You see, things had been going great for them, and over the past three years, they had traveled with Jesus. They had seen him perform miracles. Can you imagine being there? And they had grown to trust Jesus deeply, but now he's gone. He's been crucified. He's been buried. He's dead, never to be seen again, or so they thought. Talk about being sucked into despair. Talk about getting soaked with a cold reality. Talk about being blown over. They just knew it must be over. But then something happened. Their world and ours would never be the same. Can you say that today? Can you say your world is never the same because you have met Jesus, because you have been saved by God? Your world is not the same. It's the greatest day in history, I believe. Easter Sunday. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday to give it a little more context. Uh, the, the bunny didn't come along for a long time, okay, guys? Resurrection. So, sorry, kids, if the kids are here. Oh, didn't mean to blow that for them. But it's told to us in the Bible. We're going to use the Mark passage. So if you're there, Mark 16, I want to read verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint him. Very early in the, in him, by the way, we're talking about Jesus, very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? And looking up, they observed, catch this, that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has been resurrected, and I've got an exclamation point in my translation. Hopefully you do. It's emphatic. He has been resurrected. He is not here. You might want to underline that if you've got any doubt this morning. That's not me saying it. It's me reading the most researched book in the history of the world, the most torn apart book in the history of the world, the, the one book that has been proven over and over by archaeology, by Dead Sea Scrolls, by you name it, over and over has been proved to be true. And my testimony is it's true in my life. And there it is. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him. Don't believe me. Come on in. If you've ever been to Israel, it's amazing to go to the hillside and uh, to know Golgotha up here and to know here's this big rock hillside and cut into it. You go in and you can see where a person would be placed. And the angel says, come take a look. He is not here. He's not in the place where they put him. Verse 7, but go. Here's a command. Tell his disciples, and notice this, and Peter. Tell them this. He, Jesus, is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. You see, it wasn't over, amen? Jesus rose. He didn't stay dead. He defeated sin and death, the grave, Satan, you name it, he conquered it. And here's what I want you to get today. If you don't get anything else, please get this. 
there's victory in Jesus. Jesus' victory over death brings celebration and meaning to life. Today we are celebrating, aren't we? All right? Maybe you're not, but I am. We are celebrating today. But more than just celebration, Jesus' victory over death brings meaning to life. I'm going to tell you right now, God forbid for me to think where I would be today without Jesus. What gutter would I be in today without Jesus? How can, how can I say that? He has transformed me. He gave me meaning and purpose to life. Even when I thought it was over, it wasn't over because of Jesus. Wow. So remember that today. Jesus' victory over death brings celebration and meaning to life. Now, there was a pastor who gave a children's sermon on Easter Sunday morning. You remember those? Dangerous. Dangerous to do a children's sermon on Easter. Okay? You never know what's going to happen. And he asked the question, can anyone tell me what happened on Easter? And there was silence. The kids said nothing. And the pastor persisted, and he asked again. He was polite at this point. He said, now, I know someone here knows what happened on Easter a long, long time ago. And guess what? Again, there was silence. Finally, you could tell he was getting frustrated, and he asked more forcefully, somebody, please tell me about Easter Sunday. I mean, he's sitting up here with the kids, and, and everybody's out there looking at him. And finally, little Johnny. We got any little Johnnies in here? Who was never at a loss for words, spoke up. He tentatively raised his hand. I mean, he's in big church, all these people. And he said, they killed Jesus. And the pastor was delighted. He said, that's right. And then what happened? And then Johnny said, they put him in the ground. And Johnny was getting more confidence. And the pastor said, right, yes, I'm so proud. And then what happened? And he was there three days. This is going so well. Johnny is like preaching. This is awesome. And then the pastor made the mistake, and he said, and what else? And Johnny continued. He said, and if he sees his shadow, there's going to be six more weeks of bad weather and winter. Okay, Johnny did not exactly get it right. He didn't get the story right. But let's examine it today. Let's get the story right. And it's straightforward in just a few verses how clear it is. I'm going to give you just seven proofs, realizing that I could give you uh, many more than that in other parts of Scripture, in other Gospels. But today, let's just look at seven. you got sermon notes there. If you want to jot these down, that would be great. Proof number one, you probably guessed it. How did this passage start? With the women. This is proof of the resurrection. You say, how can that be? Lamar, look at it. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, are you getting all the particulars here? They went to the tomb at sunrise, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance? at the tomb, or us. You see, these women are important. These women were actual eyewitnesses of Christ's death, of the crucifixion, and the burial. You can go and read in the other gospel accounts. Just go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go towards the end, hello, towards the end of those, and you'll be able to read about that. They, were eye they weren't like these disciples that chickened out and ran away and denied Christ. They were there. They saw the crucifixion, and they knew about the burial. They knew Jesus was dead. In fact, in uh, Mark uh, 15, 47, they knew where the tomb was. Isn't that interesting? 
I'll read that verse for you. Now, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching where Jesus was placed. They had bought these spices to finish the embalming that had taken place, to anoint Jesus, uh, to do what had already been done to Jesus' body. So they waited. They were religious folks. They waited till after the Sabbath had ended. And so the first chance they could, very early on a Sunday morning, they went to care for his body. As any loved one, wouldn't we do this? As any loved one would do for someone that we love. And these ladies are doing it. Now, Lamar, why are they proof? Well, they're, they're eyewitnesses. But more than that, do you catch what they're saying here? They're not deceived. They're there. They're not hysterical. Scripture does not record that in any of the Gospels. They're wondering a very practical question. How are we going to move a two-ton stone that has been rolled down into a slot in front of this great tomb of a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb? How are we going to deal with that? You see, they were there not just to know where Jesus was placed, but they were there when the stone was placed. Luke 23, 55. So there's proof number one. Have I got your attention yet? Here's proof number two. Look at verse four. The stone itself is a proof of the resurrection. Look at verse four. Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now, if we go to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 27, it gives us more detail. It tells us, I tell you what, these religious leaders who wanted Jesus crucified, they messed up big time. They were worried that someone would come and steal the body so then they could say, look, no body, must be a resurrection. But they didn't realize how powerful the resurrection would be because what did they do according to Matthew 27? They had Roman soldiers come and seal the stone and not just that, but guard it. Hmm. So they, the women, it, it says here in verse 4, they observed this stone had been rolled away. Interesting word. It means to give attention to. It, it, with, are you ready for this? Surprise and joy. They didn't freak out. They observed it, and it gave them surprise and joy. What is going on here? Who could ever, who could come and move the stone and break the seal that the Roman soldiers had put on it, and they were guarding it? How in the world could this happen? And they observed and saw that it was rolled back. Now, let's just stop for a minute. The stone being rolled away was not for the benefit of Jesus. Are you aware of that? In Jesus' resurrected body form, if, if you'll read, read later on, you'll find out, poof, poof. He didn't need a door. He didn't need a wall. Poof, there he is. And so it wasn't for his benefit. He didn't need it moved. It was for the witnesses of the resurrection. So the stone, proof number two. Proof number three, no body. We can go to John chapter 20, verses 5 through 7. I won't read it right now, but you can go look it up. Write it down, John 25 through 7, and you can see what happened. Jesus had burial linens, and he had a face covering. And the scripture tells us that when they went to see, the burial linens were there. Interesting. And the head covering, you might have heard of it called a shroud, the head covering that they used was folded up and placed right there. He is gone. Well, what did our scripture say? In verse 6, the angel said, he is not here. 
Proof number four, the angel. Let's take a look at the angel, verses five and six. They're confronted with this. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. Now, I'm a visual learner and a visual person. Are you? Picture that. Man, that is a picture for me. They're in there, and I'll, can you imagine an angel in there? And there he is to the side. They were amazed and alarmed, Scripture says. And he says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. And I would have said, well, duh, yeah, glad you know. Welcome to the party, right? No, not a party. But he says, he's not here. See the place where they put him. So my question is, why did God send an angel? Did he have to send an angel? I'm going to give you four reasons I want you to think about. And there's probably more. But the first one is this. We find it in Matthew 28, 2. To roll the stone away. How did that stone get rolled away? It wasn't a centurion and all these soldiers that came. It wasn't a group from a village. The angel himself rolled it away. Matthew 28, 2. Why did God send an angel? Number two, to deal with the soldiers and guards. Have you been wondering what happened with the soldiers, these guards? Well, in Matthew 28, 4, it tells us that they were so frightened by this miraculous resurrection. Do you remember what happened? They fell as they, down as if they were dead men. It was that powerful. Why did God send an angel? Number three, to reassure these grieving women who loved Jesus and who was coming to uh, care for him. They would be more devastated if they thought a grave robbery had really happened. Can you imagine what that would have been like? You see, the angel was a ministering spirit of God. God ministers to us in a lot of different ways. And even today, if you'll let him, God is prepared to minister to you. It is not an accident that you and I are here. God is working behind the scenes. And he is drawing each of us to himself. And he wants to minister to us. And I think the, the, the fourth reason that God sent the angel was to validate and proclaim the resurrection. It had been one thing if one of the ladies would have made the announcement, or if uh, Peter would have showed up, or one of the disciples would have shown up, or someone else, but no, the proclamation comes from an angel of the Lord. Proof number four. Let's move on. Proof number five. This is one we miss sometime. I call it the instructions. Look at verse seven. Here's, here's what the angel says to these ladies. But go, tell his disciples... And Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. I think this is a proof. Verse 7. And we don't have time today to see how Jesus was crucified and how many prophecies were fulfilled. And then even more prophecies fulfilled when on the third day he arose but here we see something interesting we miss sometimes. The command is go tell Jesus' followers and Peter. Why single out Peter? Well, I have a theory. Do you remember what Peter had been doing leading up to this? He denied Jesus, didn't he? <laughs> the number one disciple, the apostle, right? Not once, right? Not twice, but how many times? Three times. And he did it vehemently. In fact, he did it with cuss words. And he did it with all that he had. And once that happened, the prophecy that Jesus said would come 
true came through, right? You will deny me three times before what happens? Cock-a-doodle-doo, right? Yeah. Wow. And sure enough, when that happened, that's what happened. You can read that in Scripture. Can you imagine how crushed Jesus, excuse me, Peter must have been and the repentance that needed to take place? I don't know. I'm not sure that he was hanging out with all the guys yet. I think he was still reeling from what he had done and was repenting. And I relate to Peter. Do you ever relate to Peter? Are you ever uh, hoof and mouth disease or step out onto the water only to go, uh-oh, and start singing? Yeah, Peter. That's, that, identify with him. Perhaps he, 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 he needed this personal invitation. That's what happens today. God offers a personal invitation to you and me. Listen, it has nothing to do with Hoffmantown Church. I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad that we got a lot of people here. I'm glad. I don't know if the air conditioner's on, but fan, I feel pretty good. I'm not too hot. You know, I got a microphone. You can hear me. You guys look beautiful with all those. Well, the ladies look beautiful. The guys, you look good because you have a mask on. All right, we'll just go through <laughs> I'm happy to be here. But this is not about a church. This is not about a denomination. This is not about grandma or grandpa or my child or children. This is about me and God. You and God. And he offers a personal invitation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, not at a certain church or in a certain town or family, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. What a great promise. Wow. It's an invitation that we need. It's that, that Peter got. Let's keep moving. Proof number six is the fulfillment of a promise. Go back, if you would, a page and look at Mark 14, 28. Actually, it's two pages in my Bible. 14, 28. I'm going to start in 27. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will run away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But look at verse 28. But after, this is Jesus' words, but after I have been resurrected, I will go ahead of you to where? To Galilee. You remember where they are? Jerusalem. Kind of down south, right? Galilee. Up. Remember? See a Galilee? Where Jesus, most of Jesus' ministry was? You got to go up, back, north. He says, I will be there. You see, all of Jesus' promises, all the promises in the Bible are true. That is my testimony to you today. Every promise that he has given me has been proven to be true. You may debate it, but you cannot deny it. It is true. I believe it, and I know it. I experience it. And this, this shouldn't freak us out because Jesus' own words, John 14, 6, he said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Truth, the fulfillment of a promise. I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Paul, the Apostle Paul, comments in a different place in Scripture on what I'm talking about, this fulfillment of a promise. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. That's a whole other story. 
I pass on to you what was the most important and what had also been passed on to me. So uh, Paul is saved by Jesus, and he's passing it on to these folks. And I want you to listen. Here it comes. You ready? Christ died for our sins. Just as the scriptures said, not as Lamar said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James. That's important, isn't it? Wow. And later by all the apostles. You see, James' brother Jesus didn't believe until he saw the resurrected Jesus, and he believed. Here it is. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul says this, I also saw him. Listen, the proof is this, the fulfillment of promise. Every promise in the Bible is fulfilled and is being fulfilled. And this, uh, to me, the most important promise, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. Well, let's look at the last one today, proof number seven. And I wrote down fear and obedience. Fear is kind of a negative word sometimes, but there's a lot more to it than just, I'm scared, right? Fear and obedience. Look at verse 8. So they went out, talking about the women, and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Now, don't let that mess you up. They're not being disobedient. They're being actually obedient. Think about it. Here, verse 8 tells us that the women trembled they were afraid i think they came down to do i think the angel might have freaked them out a little I don't, what about you that i would be like what is going what is next what is around this corner what is going on so the scripture tells us they were afraid they were astonished but this astonishment is an interesting word we get our word ecstasy from it it, it was not an astonishment of oh i'm frozen in fear or i drop as a dead man like those guards those roman soldiers had done no this was more like can it be how amazing is this? What a celebration. It's this pure ecstasy that he is not here. He has risen. And so they're afraid, but they're astonished in this way. And they, they, I think they had thought everything over, but it was not over. You see where we're getting now with the it? It was not over. And Scripture tells us they ran to tell the disciples and Peter. And it says they didn't speak to anyone, but here's what I think this means. They had instructions. They dared not tell anyone but Peter and the apostles because that's what they were commanded to do. And you know, that's a problem that we have in America in, in 2021. We don't always obey and do what the Lord tells us to do. I've met a lot of people in my lifetime that said, if I could just hear God speak out loud. Have you had that? If I could just have God say, Noah build a boat or whatever and what we say I got this from Steve Lawson is we say stand up read your Bible out loud and you will hear God speaking audibly and out loud isn't that interesting so we know what we need to do we just need to obey and the fear of the Lord is a healthy thing it drives us to worship him and they go and do what they're supposed to do they tell only what they're supposed to say. They obeyed God's instructions. So today, we see several proofs. We've seen seven proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Of course, there's other ones written in other parts of Scripture. But we've seen many today in this time that we, just a short time that we have together today. And I'm going to tell you, it's not over. It is true. Jesus' victory over death brings celebration and meaning to life. I testify today that it has happened in my life. And I know there's many here today that can testify to that fact. Can you? Can you? Can you? How about you online? Can you testify to that fact that Jesus' victory over death brings celebration and meaning to life? I feel like the place that we live, the city we live in, the state we live in, the country we live in, I'm not even talking about the rest of the world, people are walking by us wanting to know what is the purpose and meaning of life. And they have concocted all kinds of ideas. Have you heard some of them? We won't be depressed by listing them. But some of them are just what I call at my house cray-cray. They're crazy. When Scripture right here gives it to us. You know, there's some things that I'll never hear. This may surprise you, but I'll, I'll, I'll never get a call from the Broncos asking me to fill in at quarterback. I just want to let you know right now. I, it's not, I'm not going to ever hear that. I'd like to hear it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to ever hear a stranger stopping by and say, Hey, are you George Clooney? just never going to happen. I mean, right? You plug in the name. But hear me today. I want you and me to hear some things. And here it goes. Are you ready? Jesus is alive today. And he is alive in resurrected. Listen to me. Don't listen to some church that doesn't preach the Bible or teach the Bible. He is alive today in resurrected bodily form. And scripture tells us he is seated at the right side of God in heaven. Here's another thing we need to hear today. Jesus is present with us wherever Christians gather, including right here at this time today. He is here. Jesus is always with us. Why? Because God, Jesus, lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us if we're a believer and lives in us. Here's another thing we need to hear. Jesus causes us to expect the unexpected. Just like we see here in Mark 16. It was unexpected what had happened. Even though Jesus had told them they didn't get it, and sometimes we don't get it, but Jesus, we need to hear this. He causes us to expect the unexpected. Why? Because Jesus is the author of amazing grace. Jesus is the author of amazing things. Remember this. God rolled the stone of death out from in front of the tomb. And guess what? God is still rolling stones out of the way of people who face death. It doesn't have to be that way for you. And I would ask today, what about you? Will you respond to these proofs of the resurrection? Now, you may be thinking something. I, I've heard it, and you may be thinking this, and I just want to speak to it for a moment. You may be thinking, Lamar, you just don't know what's happened in my life. Lamar, you just don't know what I've done. You may be thinking, I could never have a brand new start with Jesus. Really? I want to proclaim today, yes, you can if you've not had that start, that life with Jesus. Do you remember who was at the beginning of this Mark 16? 
Salome, but also two Marys. Did you catch that? Did you know, if, if you're wondering, if you're doubting today, that one of these Marys, Mary Magdalene, who was at the empty tomb, who was such a proof and central character in this resurrection story, she had earlier met Jesus, and I'm going to tell you something, it was a messed up life that she had. I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but it was bad news, and she met Jesus, and guess what happened? Jesus delivered her from that life. It was so bad, she had to be delivered, or ready for this, from even demon possession, and she met Jesus, and you know what? He delivered her. He cleaned her up. You see, the question is not, what must I do to come to Jesus? Because the answer is Nothing. You can't clean up your life. Only Jesus can. The question or the statement should be, thank you, Jesus, that I come as I am, and you'll do that work in my life. Can any of you relate to that? Have you been cleaned up by the Lord? You came to him as a sinner, and he cleans you up? He who began a good work in you will complete it, and he's working, he's sanctifying us, he's set us apart, and he's moving us along. And I'm so excited because I mess up, and he still forgives me, and he forgives me, and he moves me along. And hopefully, you know, the Christian life's kind of like this, but hopefully it's going up, isn't it? It's going up. So listen, he can deliver you from whatever is holding you back today. For some of you, it's guilt. Let it go. Scripture says Jesus died for all sinners. Maybe it's poor decisions. Man, does that wreck us sometimes, poor decisions we made? Some of us who are a little bit older, we think back to some decisions we made when we were maybe high school, college, young adults. Wow, there's consequences. But don't let poor decisions hold you back. He can deliver you from that. How about doubt? If you're doubting today, I want to tell you, if you will ask, God will deliver you, even today, from that doubt. It will happen. Maybe it's culture. Culture whacks at us so hard. God can deliver you from that. I don't know what it is, but maybe today there's people here, people that are watching online that could use a fresh start on life. I want to tell you, because Jesus rose again, resurrected, never to die again, because that happened, we can have a new start. The Bible calls it new life. Have you heard of that? And it happens this way. God gives us faith, trust, to trust in him, and we simply ask Jesus, we trust. We say, come into my life, save me, forgive me of my sin, be my Lord, my boss, master, controller. That's what that word means. You see, when you believe in him and admit your need for his help, when you repent, you confess, you repent all of these things. Scripture tells us that he forgives us of everything we've done wrong. It is really not over for you and for me. I want to give you a proclamation this morning. We're almost done. And it comes, the Apostle Paul starts out with the, you know, the great treatise, I call it, the book of Romans. What a masterpiece that God has given us, the book of Romans, right off the bat, chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to this proclamation. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. 
Why? Why can Paul write this? Why, uh, almost 2,000 years later, can Lamar stand up here and say the same thing? That I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Here it is. It is the power of God at work. Are you ready? Are you doubting? Are you feeling guilty? Are you just not sure? It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. And you say, I don't know if I can believe, Lamar. God will give you the belief. That's what he does. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Gentile. Do you know what that means? Don't get hung up on those terms. That means everyone, everyone, everyone. Wow. Listen, if you've been sucked in, washed up, and blown over, you are the perfect candidate to turn to Jesus, to celebrate his resurrection to discover purpose and meaning in life. I'm going to do something different this morning. I want you to stay with me. Don't get up and leave. Don't, don't wave at anyone like the little boy was doing earlier when we were singing. I just want, and this is weird, I want you to bow your heads or whatever it takes for you to get comfortable and alone with God. Would you do that right now? Don't look at me. If you don't want to close your eyes, that's fine. When we say bow the heads, I just want you to get alone with God. Can you do that? Please get alone with God. Would you just say, Lord, would you speak into my life? As you are quiet and alone with God, would you just say, Lord, show me. Now, you're still quiet. Don't look around. You're still just you and the Lord. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is this something you need in your life? Is today the day that you are pondering, considering, following Jesus? If so, in the quiet of the moment, everybody's just alone with God. I just want you to raise your hand. I just want to see if there's anyone out here who would say, today is the day I see these proofs. I believe them. I want to pray for you today and for all of us. If today is your day for that, would you just pray something like this? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I messed up. And God, I'm understanding that that separates me from you. And God, I've been told that Jesus died for all sinners, including me. And today, in the best way I know how, I'm turning from my life and I'm turning to you, Jesus. I trust in you. Would you save me today? I repent of my sins. I give them to you, believing that you will forgive and save me. Please, Jesus, transform my life. Come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. God, change my life so that I am no longer on the throne of my life, but you are there and you will lead me and you will guide me. And I ask of this of you 
by faith, by trust. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.